Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Hello there, this is John Heindorf and this is a special programme for the Radio Show Limited Network of Channels. I'm in the glorious sunshine of an early autumn day at Bathurst, Mount Panorama. And this weekend it's the high-tech oils Bathurst six hours. And of course if I'm here, that means Richard Creel must be standing right next to me. And you'd be right to think that. Hello Rich. Hello JH. Autumn in Australia, forecast for the next six days here in the central west of New South Wales. 30 plus degrees, every single one of them. That's how we roll. That'll do. Yeah. That'll do. We're going to have a wander up the, the, the high-tech Olds Bathurst uh, six hours pit lane. Start at the first pit. The uh, number 69, red and white, very fetching colour scheme. Uh, red and white and black my colours. And this is your car, effectively. Not this one, but the same model. It, yeah, it is. Uh, part of the joy of this race is that we're racing what people drive on the road. So um, we're looking at the number 69 Holden Commodore. It's a VF Commodore SSV Redline. It's identical, except mine doesn't have a roll cage and racing seats to the one I drive on the road, which so is So what tremendous. vintage is this then? Uh, this would be 2014-15 right. car, so it's a Series 1 VF, and you can tell that with the different front bar. The Series 2 had different daytime running lights right. and got the 6.2-litre Chevy V8. It's this a handsome is, beast. It is. This is only a 6-litre V8, but about 300 kilowatts. Uh, very, very handy. How bit do of you kit. manage with only 6 litres? Uh, I, I don't know. One, one persists. One tries. Mm. One tries. Um, so this is a Class B2 car. Um, big power. Probably very quick in a straight line, but I'm guessing possibly a little bit heavy for an overall victory. Yeah, they'd be 1,650 kilos, if not more. Um, the, the biggest problem with these cars is uh, not so much corner speed, but keeping rubber underneath them. They're a heavy car. They slide and move around a lot. The same can be said for all the big V8 yeah. rear-wheel drive cars here. So when you're competing against lightweight, nimble four-wheel drive turbo cars, it's, it's a hard ask. But, yeah, up and down the hill, certainly, and, and uh, certainly from turn one, to the exit of the cutting and, and even up through Reed Park, these things will haul the mail. And they'll sound fantastic as well. While you're talking about the Hankook tyres, by the way, I should mention, um, because it's something that I don't think we have done in any of our previews, these are groove tyres that they're yeah. wearing, uh, even in the uh, dry weather conditions. Yeah, they're an aspect high-performance tyre, similar to what you can buy on the road for a, a high-performance car that you might do track days on. So that's part of the appeal, and that's why Hankook, in particular in this event, get involved, because... They can market what they're uh, market what they're selling. Right, let's walk this way because we've got a. I do like. I have to say, I do really like that Commodore. It's good. I just point out this could take some time because there are 62 cars in the 32 pick garages we've got here. Right, so we we have to hustle just a, a little bit. Um, this is uh, another Commodore alongside us here, and what's underneath there? That looks like another Commodore shape as well, isn't it? Probably, that's the Monaro. Oh, that's yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Of course, it is because it's got the fast Monaro. Monaro, correct. There's a a Monaro highway out of Canberra. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. Out of the national capital. So that's not an endorsement. I don't know what is the Commodore we're looking at here. Car seventy-one in A two. This is the HSV version. So the the more 
version of a Commodore. But so when, is that a 6.2 then? Yeah, this will have the bigger engine. Right. This is a VZ, yeah, so yeah, it's an early yeah, model car. Yeah. Yeah, solid, nice, yeah. I like it. Um, but this is Wounded Heroes Racing, and these guys put on a great show. The cars liveried up in a camouflage scheme you might find in a World War II fighter. But they're raising uh, awareness uh, and support for Wounded Heroes, yeah. which is a program that's mirrored all around the world, but looking after our... Um, our vets from the military, which is a great cause, and no. these guys do a terrific job. Well, you know, we're very closely linked with uh, Mission Motorsport. We, we have a covenant with our armed forces, and they go off to do the things that we don't want to do. And I reckon that it's our duty, when they come back, that we look after them if they don't come back in the same way that we sent them out. Now, the, the joy of the high-tech all six hours of Bathurst is the variety. We've just seen what three big bangers there and from the biggest engine car we pretty much come down to the smallest the 55 little black suzuki swift a little pocket rocket front wheel drive transverse engine sitting there getting some work done it on it on the more uh, at the moment that's one of the e-class cars yeah it is so the compact class um the, the swift in particular very handy little mousetrap and there was a one make series for them here a couple of years ago why are you laughing i just love the way you say that. a handy little mousetrap that's, well, that's what it is i know it's, I know. it's handy and it's basically the size of a mousetrap um but they'll be good they're great fun to watch here mm-hmm. because you basically get out of the cutting and you're flat the whole way across the top of the mountain hanging on they hike their rear wheels they dance around little front wheel drive cars that must be terrific fun to drive one of those things mm. the only hesitation you've got from my point of view in a Class E car is that you will spend a lot of your race looking in the mirror because whereas the leaders are doing 225s, 224s, they'll be doing 250s. So there's quite a big performance differential, especially across the top of the hill. Next to it, BMW, rear-wheel drive, Class C car, that's the 73 uh, machine. I I tell you what, I have to say, and and I think I'll probably end up seeing this all the way up the pit lane, the standard of preparation and deliveries, I mean, thank goodness for for vinyl nowadays but you know all the cars are, uh, look like racing cars yeah they do and and keeping in mind that professional teams are involved in this but a lot of them are um people in their own garages that have put stuff together just to to run for fun because they can and that's why you see such a spread of old and new cars on the grid now if you're going to talk improved production and particularly here at the mountain the staples of that down through the years have been the evos from mitsubishi and the impretas from Subaru, and we're looking at the 57 B1 class car, the McFarlane and Hoff car, uh, sitting here at the moment. Another great livery. I, I mean, I remember watching these cars when I could get some video of them. I remember you talking about them when we first met. These have been the staple of improved production over the last, what, decade yeah, and a half? Well, yeah, and more. And what, what happened was production car racing in Australia mirrored what was going on in the rally scene as well. And, in fact, some of the rally companies uh, got involved in production car racing. Rally Art in Australia mm. built the original Evos that ran in the Bathurst 12-hour when it was a production car race. And, in fact... A couple of those cars are still racing and are here this weekend. Really? Yeah, absolutely. So, terrific thing. Now, we're coming up to a car that I know for a fact that you like. I spent a bit of time with the Alfa Giulietta this morning. This is a QV, so it's the 1750 twin cam, classic Alfa engine, turbocharged, really nicely balanced little car. Um, Their biggest issue is they've got a traction control system that is um, possibly a little too intrusive, so they've been messing about with the sensors to see um, if they can 
allow the car to run a bit better, telling me that uh, having disconnected one of the sensors at the last outing, they found three and a half seconds a lap. And that was at Eastern Creek, I think. So they're expecting to be five seconds a lap quicker here. It's it's in silver. Um, like I guess a few of the cars say, it was bought as a, a road-going car that had been in an accident, yep. repaired and turned into a race car. Beautifully presented. It still has the telephone dial wheels on it, Alpha face on it. It's a Julietta. It'll kick up its back wheels. It's the modern-day Alpha Sud. What's not to like? What I think you'll like, and, and there's no one confirmed with one yet, but down the road we're expecting some of the new Quadrifiglio big four-door, big banging things coming. Well, it's interesting, fantastic. interesting that the uh, the guys there that, with that um, Alpha were just seeing that he had a chance to buy uh, a Juliet. Uh, Quadrifoglio with the uh, 2.9 V6 twin turbo. Effectively, it's six cylinders of a Ferrari V8 with a couple of turbos thrown on it. Just your 500 horsepower <laughs> driving the rear wheels. But the thing that put them off, interestingly, was the uh, seven-speed um, semi-auto box. Because like us in the UK, here in Australia, you don't get the manual mm. here and you don't get the all-wheel drive car. Um, mentioned the Subaru. Here is uh, one of the Mitsubishis. This is the 65 now again beautifully turned out uh, these cars you know not in the, the first flush of youth anymore but still very very popular have a great following and still very quick cars real quick and we'll get to one a bit later on which has got a bloke called Steve Owen in it and Steve was uh, as well as being a supercar race winner and stood on the podium here in the 12 hour and the 1000 was the production car lap record here for a long time in an Evo 8 RS so um serious bit of kit these things are fast and they're they're a staple of this race and they still field a majority of the outright class because they are fast but they're also unbelievably reliable because the evo car was a homologation special for rallying so they built them rock solid tough things so almost over engineered you can throw mount panorama at them and they generally bounce back sometimes uh, Golf R, or is that a Scirocco? It's a Scirocco, in fact. I should have looked further back. Sharing a garage with uh, another Commodore, which is up on the jacks at the moment. I, I just, I have to say, I love the variety here. So we're on radio. I'm going to bring someone in because no, no, the whole idea is to talk to people yeah, in yeah. this field, right? So Matt O'Brien uh, is a guy that I've known for a long time. He raced touring car masters and historic touring cars. Come in and have a chat, Matt. This is John Hindoff. He's all the way Hello, from Matt. England. We'll do that, yeah. Shaking hands with a microphone in hand, always difficult. So Matt builds engines for a living and has got the engine in that Commodore over there. So maybe for John, who doesn't know as much about these great Aussie muscle cars that you and I love so much, just explain what's going into this car. Everything, essentially. (laughs) Uh, So basically that's an American muscle engine. So that's an LS3 engine, isn't it? It's a a GM. LS2. Which is a factory engine for the VE Commodore. So he essentially stripped it down and went right through all the OEM specs and just beefed everything, everything up within the rules, essentially. Right. So. so when you say within the rules, so the car has to have started life as a street car. Yes. So you, you can't just buy a shell and, and go run it. So it's got to have been a registered street car. Um, there's a price cap on the very top class. But what can you do engine-wise then? You're saying you're beefing it up. What sort of things are you doing? Bottom end, different bottom end, different so, crank? So you can No, they're all got to be stock. So you can actually... Uh, balance the rotating assembly, so crankshaft, rods, right. pistons, all the bottom end. Uh, you've still got to run the stock camshaft, uh, and the camshaft's actually got to go to a uh, camshaft grinder and get doctored, so they actually ensure you've got the right lift duration, and it's got a certificate. Uh, that gets installed right. in the engine, uh, and the scrutiny's got to be there while you do that. 
and then we uh, the only thing you can really play with is camshaft timing. That's it, essentially. That's it. Uh, the heads have got to be cylinder heads have got to be stock, uh, stock valves. You can actually upgrade the valve spring area, something just for, for the injury. Durability, yeah. yeah. So what we're talking about here is effectively making sure everything is spot on, manufacturing tolerances. What what I would have called in the old days, you balance it and you blueprint it. it essentially, that's exactly right. So yeah. we went right through. So that engine took essentially probably forty five hours to assemble. Right. So it went together three or four times before we were happy with it, and. Uh, runs like clockwork so far so we've done two test days with it uh, essentially probably 300 laps and we've moved the power curve of the engine instead of being 6,000 rpm we make it so make maximum power at 5,000. Oh great. So, uh, and that's grunt yeah. for Mount Panorama isn't it because you yeah. want that torque going so, up the hill. So we've, we've geared well essentially gearing sort of stays stock so as being around here eight times now we know turn one is critical yeah. and the climb so that we've built that engine for the climb up the mountain. So, so gearbox ratios and back axle ratios have to stay stock? 100% stock, 100% right. stock. So essentially the power curve in that engine, we've bought that in earlier yes. for the climb up the hill. Yeah. And uh, we make max, maximum torque at 4,500 RPM. Oh, that's fantastic. Barely idling, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. So, so second gear or first gear around the first corner? Hopefully second, yes. hopefully second. So, so we are not putting too much... Uh, into it on the downshift minimise your downshift exactly right so this this whole endurance side of things is new to this team this is a brand new team from Newcastle so we we utilise um, a Commodore wrecker who got the car very cheap from the from the auctions that car was a stat write off so that's where that car come from very cheap uh, and utilise my business which is an engine reconditioning business so we do stock to performance engines to TCM engines to everything so kind of gel together. So this is a, effectively this is a mobile shop window and billboard for the guys who are involved with it. Exactly this is uh, blue collar, like this is ground, this is grassroots racing. This is the people's race. Exactly exactly, it's a cool car to drive and How important is it for, for these cars and, and the rest and, and you know the, there's a variety of cars here um, some European and Japanese exotic, some great muscle cars that we're talking about here with yours, how important is it for guys who race at this level to be here at the mountain? You, this is childhood stuff. This is stuff you dream of. Like I, I came the first time you see the mountain when you're coming from Lithgow. I still get goosebumps. Yeah. Look, still yeah. talking about it. I still yeah. get goosebumps. It's stuff that you have put a rock above your bed, which I did as a kid growing up. You know, it, it's it's everything. So a lot of guys, and this car's purely being built for this weekend. Oh really? Yeah. So you're going to do the rest of the season, or it, uh, it will it come back next year and do something else? Or the owner, that's the emphasis. It's just purely do endurance racing with the car. So. Yeah, yeah. So we have our own car that we do state level racing with. It's similar Commodore, um, and what we've learned out of that in racing in touring car masters, we've put into this. Yeah. So it's durability. So right. So you know, this is we talk about this being grassroots racing, but there's a lot of work gone into that car, and, and let's everybody who's listening to this should realise that it's not being skimped on. This is a properly prepared uh, racing car. It's probably eighty thousand in that car, without without a doubt. Yeah, uh, and that's probably probably one of the cheaper cars yeah. here for sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, you look at that uh, VW beside us. That that'd have to be a hundred thousand every day of the week. Yeah. So. Um, so so we're talking about people who are doing this out of their own pockets and doing it for a bit of quote unquote fun. But the level of preparation here is every bit as good as anything that we'd see here at Bathurst at any other time of the year. Exactly right. Every nut and bolt come out of that car after the two practice sessions and inspected. Re-cleaned, re re-loctited and remarked to ensure if any movement for here. You know, you just can't take this place for granted. No, it's, no, no, it no, sucks no. you in, 
and you get quicker and quicker and quicker, and then it unleashes. Yeah. Now, nobody comes here to lose, but do you dare to think about a class win or how far up you're going to get up at the overall? Is that what you've come here with something in, in mind? Even from when we first stripped the engine, that's what, we, that's what the whole emphasis is, to build this car to be there on the last lap. And when, and when we get to within half an hour of the race distance, turn up the wick. That's Love what it. we built it for. That's endurance. That's the mountain. Love it. Have a good one. Be safe. Same to you guys. Really great talking to you. Really great. That's already becoming one of my favourite cars. That, uh, that's the that's mean, evil-looking Commodore. It's the stories, isn't it, behind these outfits and what goes into it, which it makes the appeal of races like this even more so than what we see here in February and October as well. Um, we're just going past the Kelso Electrical car. That's an all-Bathurst Subaru WRX STI. Um, Brad Schumacher runs Kelso Electrical. No relation, by the way. Um, driving with him is Michael Anderson, who runs a business called Kenwood Homes. They're both located 5Ks away from the racetrack. Yep. Both locals, every single person on this team, including a good friend of ours, Luke Bell, yep. the IT guru, former IT guru. Um, well, he's still an IT, he's still an IT guru. guru. He's, just a, he's just an independent otherwise IT. Otherwise employed. Yeah. Um, he's doing our strategy this weekend. He is, correct. Uh, they're all from the Bathurst region. So Brilliant. this is as local as it gets. A uh, couple of STIs in that garage. Now we've got another um, Commodore in here sharing with a BMW. That's the other thing as well. There's going to be some friendships made this weekend because some of these guys will know each other. Some of them won't. Um, oh, man, I, do you know what? You guys have just got it so good with these uh, poke, poke V8s. Describe. Oh, hello. Now, this one I need to, to, to remember what this one looks This is number 11 in the A1 category. It's unmistakably. Uh, Graham Goodwin would love this because it's DSC colours. It's very orange, very white, and very black. Uh, and this is in the A1. This is in the top class. The overall winner will probably come from there. And Chas Mostert's name uh, on the side of this Ford Focus RS. Now, this has got to be in with a chance of the overall. Yeah, I, this car finished second last year and it led with five minutes to go and it broke fifth and sixth gear um, and had nothing to fight with down Conrod and got overhauled by a BMW driven by another former Bathurst winner in Paul Morris and Luke Searle. So this car's now had 12 months of development on it. It's a really good bit of kit. Um, successful in production car series in races last year. Well engineered. The guys that have been running this car have been running production cars longer than I've been alive and that's not a joke either. Um, and with Krillzy is only 22. No, he's not. Um, and the blokes behind the wheel, Chaz we know, pole in the 12 hour this year, yeah. Bathurst 1000 winner. Um, they won this race together in 2016 in a BMW second last year. They are amongst the favourites, if not the favourite Four-wheel drive, of course. Yep. Um, now, four-wheel drive and race cars, yeah, the, the normal thinking is, unless it's wet weather, you're not really wanting that. That's more tyre wear. But down through the years in production here in Australia, four-wheel drives have been the... All-wheel drives have been the ones to have. Yeah, dominant um, in the 12-hour right the way through. Although the BMWs that won it were, were rear-wheel drive in 2007 and 10, and then the Evos were either side of that as we walk up to power on racing in the first of the... Mercedes A45 AMGs, and these, uh, these are another serious bit of kid. I'm absolutely intrigued by these little cars. Two-litre, transverse-mounted, he says, looking in. I can't tell. Yeah, yeah transverse-mounted, um, two-litre turbo engine, all-wheel drive. Now, this is another all-wheel drive. It's got a Haldex clutch, a sort of centre differential on these, so a bit like the, the old Audi Quattros. Um, I'm intrigued by these cars, but I'm told they make a lot of power. I'm told that they're fairly nimble. Yeah, it's, it's Evo Performance Plus, really, and, and the road going A45 AMGs, not to 100k in about 4.2 seconds, I think. They're properly serious cars, and, and as a race car as well, they've been very effective. 
this is a good little team. Rod Salmon, um, double Bathurst 12-hour winner, champion in production car racing in the GT Trophy Series in his Audi R8 um, with Lee Burgess behind the wheel. They, they, they're contenders. I think this team set up by Rod and uh, Paul Taylor, who's former technical boss of Supercars Australia yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and heavily involved in this. It's a, it's a good little race car. And if you want to see it, head to uh, the website, the Facebook page, because this car was in our launch uh, on Thursday here at Mount Panorama and sort of part of the unveiling of this event. This is another Air One category car and people might think, how come it's an Air One with only a two-litre engine? But that's because it's forced induction. So the big engines are in a separate category because they're normally aspirated. Right alongside it, Kia. Um, by the way, I'm going to say again, beautifully prepared. This is a Hankook tyres-sponsored machine. And we can have a chat, John, to the guy who owns it and runs it. One of the legends of production car racing in Australia, the great man Terry Conroy is here. Terry, this is John Honda from uh, RadioLeMond.com radio show. They're here calling the race with us this weekend. This is Terry Conroy, guru. Welcome, John. Welcome. It's lovely to be back here, Terry. And I was just saying to Krilsey there, a very different atmosphere when I'm here at the the 12 hours. What is it about production category racing that has captured the imagination down through the years here in Australia? Because it's been a... I was going to say it's a staple of Australian racing. It's more than that. It's grassroots. Yeah. It's the grassroots of motorsport in, in Australia. Um, you can go back to Phillip Island, you know, what, 40-odd years ago. Um, it's just, over the years, it's just gradually got bigger and bigger. Uh, it, it peaks and drops like any category does. But at the moment, 62 cars. It's indicative mm. of the interest in production cars. And what I see as well, Terry, is that the... Um, you know, new cars like this, new builds. That hasn't happened for a few years. No. There was a, there was a bit of a, just a press pause, if yes. you will. And a lot of the cars that are here, of cars that I've seen before, that are 10, 15 year old. But now we're seeing some new builds. There's a bit of, there's a bit of excitement. There's a bit of confidence in the category. There is, um, and you know, the state series in New South Wales is booming. Uh, there's also the roll-on from that into the national series. Uh, the two of them are working together, and um, it's just a case of people realising the uh, the interest and the enjoyment of endurance racing in yeah. production cars. Yeah. It's technical, it's exciting. Um, tactical it's as well. Tactics, it is. Uh, it's the old story, the first hour and the last hour. Yeah. But people that come here, there's a lot of people here that have, uh, this, this weekend, are doing it for the first time. Yeah. And you talk to them and you say, well, talk to you Sunday night, tell me what you feel like. <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be a whole, virtually a whole season of motorsport stories from one, from one race. One thing I will say, though, and I'll, I'll be interested to hear what you've got to say about this, cars, generally speaking now, are more complicated than they ever were. Really? If, I, if I look back at you know, my youth, and I ran an old Hillman Avenger for a long time, and every time something fell off it, I put the competition part on. I could do that myself. It was fairly easy. Now you need six guys with computers, probably all 14, 15, and 16, plugging into things to make sure that the cars talk to each other. And I'm hearing people talking about CAN bus wiring and ECUs and control units. So how difficult is it to turn Extremely a production car? Difficult. And I think what's got to happen is cams have got to look closely at the rules in respect to the wiring harnesses. Yeah. There's so many safety factors built into today, to today's cars, modern cars, that make them very, very safe to drive to a point. <laughs> because I've always said that where you've got stability control, anti-lock braking systems, your control and so on, when you do lose it, you're going awful fast. Yeah. So it gets to the point, there's, there's a way up between the two. The, the old front-wheel drive car that had plough understeer, now can, can, you can drive them like a rear-wheel drive car. Yeah. 
So that's an area which Keem's got to look at for the electronics to allow the aftermarket uh, uh, computers, ECUs, to be used and throw out the harness and only use what is required as a race car. Yes. There was a, a, a comment was made recently to me, it's a production car. I said, no, it's a race car, then it's a production car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah correct. Yeah, yeah, no, no. And, and I mean, things with Cambus, for example, I was talking to somebody earlier on today saying that they had to put something back into the car that they'd taken out because it was one of the ends, the terminus of the Cambus, and without that, the whole car wouldn't work, and it was just because the interior light was on the end of a line. Or the interior light bulb was disconnected and the car wouldn't start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's extraordinary, it is. isn't it? it? It's amazing. And what this is what people have really got to understand. There's a whole generation of new cars out there that can be built, built uh, cheaply. Yeah. Um, relatively cheaply, because nothing cheap. in motor racing is ever dirt cheap, is it? Relatively cheaply. I mean, if you add up, do we, do we all run around that up what we spend on the car? No. Hell we no. Don't. We don't. Um, if you can afford to do that, you shouldn't be in motorsport. <laughs> hey, um... This car debuted here 12 months ago. Yes, what, what's the 12 months been like since developing it? We had at in the national round. We ran it uh, twice in the year at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park and um, we had success there as well. We've done a lot of R&D work because we've had to do it all on our own. We've developed the suspension in it. We've developed the ECU in it. We've had some great help from, from people that have come on board and are very, very interested in the development of this car. It creates a lot of interest. And you know, we ran Hondas for five years and yeah. never had a mechanical breakdown. Um, and this is, a, this is a departure, and why not? Well, wish you all the best. Have a very safe weekend. And I love, I love pe- talking to, to people like yourself who've got the passion for the engineering and still the racing. Good luck with the weekend. Thank you. Cheers. Man, this is this is proper engineering, isn't it? It's yeah, great it's, stuff. It's terrific. Um, Terry's a great guy, as you could hear, and very passionate about production car racing and when the sport was low in Australian production car racing, I'm talking about, um, he was still there with two cars on the grid and his Hondas he was talking about, which were great. Um, right next door to that is a car I'm really interested to watch, which is a brand new car for this event. Step out of the sun, I'm getting a bit warm. Oh, it's blue. I thought it was, it was black there. That's navy so blue. BMW M3 competition pack, uh, and it's owned and run by Berwick Linton, former Australian production car champion, was on pole here a couple of years ago. Co-driver Tim Lay gun open wheel racer in the 1990s and early 2000s and from Orange up the road so this is a cool cool thing they ran this car at Challenge Bathurst the drive event here late last year and by all accounts it seemed to go very very well Um, this is the next of the brand new generation cars running in production car racing and and built for the purpose of going racing here at Mount Panorama and it it will be really really fast the M3 of course is a four door now which is only a bit confusing to bears of small brain like me Um, now, mostly as we've walked up and down the pit lane so far, I can smell grease, I can smell engine oil and, and fuel. Here, all I can smell is polish. This car has a shine on it that most people's street cars would be envious of. That paint, that navy blue, dark blue paint, it's almost black, but it's not metallic. It looks about a foot deep. Uh, interior, if I'll just see. See, and this is where you see the production car roots the dashboard the whole of the dash has been retained there's a couple of cutouts for the the roll cage the whole of the center console to the back seats has been retained all right one or two switches and panels been put in but it's still got the shifter and the bmw um whizzy wheel that you do all your sat nav on the only thing they've taken out the steering wheel is the it looks like the uh, airbag's gone out of there but everything else 
is there. No back seats, of course. Big, nice, sturdy roll cage in. This is absolutely gorgeous. That looks like it's just rolled off the lot. Yeah, yeah, serious thing. You can see they've got the wheels off on at the moment. Big AP racing brake calipers, so brakes are probably one of the few areas where you can actually invest quite a lot of IP and expertise into into getting the braking performance. Because And that isn't when you put someone in a race car who's never been in one before, the first thing you go is, how good do these things stop? Yes. That's the biggest single improvement. It's very confidence-inducing as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, and, and that's where in production car racing you can actually have a go on the whopping big huge calipers on the front of this thing so it should stop particularly well as BMWs are prone to do so these will be this is going to be a, a red hot and car. this is an air car as well so air one car so this is going to be running for the the overall and um, if you're wondering that you can just maybe hear in the background a bit more polish going on which tells me there's nothing else to do on this car they're very happy with that car and they're making sure that it looks as good as it goes and I've got a feeling that might go very well another Mitzi another pair of Mitzis actually a uh, couple of Lancer Evolutions. Well, the number seven car is... Oh, by the way, the BMW is the 23, yeah. the, the navy blue BMW. Yeah. It'll look black when you're watching it on the screen. We're looking at the number seven Evo 10 RS Mitsubishi Lancer uh, on the side window of that is uh, Jay Cox, who's become an internet hero in Australia and around the legend, world. He's a legend, mate. He's a legend. For his exploits aboard his little Honda Civic improved production car, um, which is club level racing in Australia but raced here at the 12 hour in IP a couple of years ago and at the Adelaide 500 and took on a turbocharged A86 and beat him in a little NA Honda it was an extraordinary story, google it, you'll find he's it he's king of the overtaking oh, in yeah. unorthodox uh, situations and positions on the track, you're listening to a special programme, Richard Creel is taking me walkabout up the pit lane here at Mount Panorama as we're ready for our Radio Show Limited network of programmes, exclusive coverage of the High Tech Oil six hour uh, this weekend. Little Hyundai, another little hot hatch, warm hatch. Now, I'm just going to touch on the Hyundai Gets. These were the rental car staple in Australia about yep. five years ago. So and there's I, plenty of them. I had a lot of them. Absolutely the fastest car in the world. Because it's a rental. Because it's a rental car. So this thing, and it, this is actually in the rental car silver that I used to get going to racetracks around Australia. So this thing should you be might unbelievably have, good. I you might, might have driven, have driven this that. car. To a gig. Yeah, and, and driven it hard. So not that we're responsible on the road, of course. Of course. Of course. But the rental car, the beauty thing about Hyundai Gets is that you could drive them at 11 tenths and still be well under the legal limit for speed or grip or anything. So... Great, fun. great to see them here. Uh, Renault Megane RS sitting over in the corner. Uh, GT86, the little boxer for a Toyota that shares its architecture and its engine with a Subaru, all fully prepped and more Subarus. Same engine, just a bigger turbo, or just a turbo on it. The GT86 normally aspirated, of course. VW Golf, the number 50 car. This is a B-class car. Yeah, and that's not seen that car at this race before, so it's, uh, that's an... Brett, brand, brand new, new car. Okay, let's have a, have a. What's your name, sir? I'm Dominic. I'm the one of the drivers with uh, James Keane and MWM Motorsport. So it's a brand new car. It's been built over the weekend. Basically. MWM. Yep. So Midweek Motorsport. <laughs> that, <laughs> we, we did the show. We do the show. Hang on. On that basis, you should get a drive. I sure, think. Yeah. Come on, let's have a look. Let's have a look at the car, Dominic. See and see what we think. So, classic VW Golf. This is a, a four door. Or five door actually, uh, and, and what, what's this based on? What did it start life as as a street car? What, what, uh... Uh, so it's a 2010 Mark Six Golfer, right? Ooh, um, Golf R, and okay. basically, we picked it up when someone decided to leave it in some water in Melbourne, um, and it basically got water damaged, and it was a stat write-off, and we've then from there converted it into a race car. So, uh, ours are all-wheel drive. 
all-wheel drive yeah right so why pick see I, I know that they've done well here all the subarus the mitsis and everything else all-wheel drive seems far more popular for circuit racing cars here in australia than anywhere else i go why just the reliability if it rains especially around here you're going to be quicker okay than, and the, the reliability and stability and you've got more drives basically pulling you through the corner so we prefer it um we've i've driven front wheel drive car driven real drive i prefer all-wheel drive it just gives you that stability out of the corners and that pull and torque mm. so yeah that's why a lot of the subarus a lot of the yeah. amiibos are four-wheel drive because they just have that poke and that torque now the so you said this is a pretty new build. So have, has it been out? What's it done? You know, what can you tell us about what it's like on the track? You done a bit of testing, or you done a bit of racing? I have never actually sat or driven this car yet. Have you raced here before? I've raced here before. I've done two years in the got in the uh, mini that we ran right. last two years. Um, famous for hitting the wall at. Um, <laughs> uh, Don't do that again. No, let's not do that again. The wheel fell off. Um, but yeah, so I haven't driven it, but it's done about a hundred laps at Wakefield. Um, it's been, had a fairly good shake down there. We've got a few little small teething issues but we're getting through them and just ticking the boxes basically why does why do you come back to mount panorama what is it about this place that means you have that that sickness that brings you back here it's the place there's no other place in the world apart from maybe the nurburgring or somewhere like that where you're up against the concrete walls almost every corner there's only maybe three or four corners here where you actually get reprieve of a runoff and that's it even you know what I mean turn one turn two you can still yeah, yeah. hit a wall it's only a meter off the track like yeah. you've actually got to be quite careful about where you place the car what you do and how you drive it you can't just overdrive it and have forgiveness of oh, I can just run off the track here I've got a, a lot more drive here I've got more tarmac I've got a sand trap there's only three or four sand traps in this whole place so you've got to be very careful of it I'll tell you something the guys that we know who've driven the Nordschleifer a lot tell us that this place is more scary than the Nordschleifer because the the hard bits come round every two minutes and 20 seconds and not every 10 minutes. Yeah, um, I do a lot of coaching with Mel Rose and he's done a lot of yeah. racing at the Nürburgring. And he's he, a staple on our broadcast. Yes, <laughs> he, he's, he always rates his place quite high and he also rates Nürburgring quite high, but he always says this is probably a harder track because you're lapping a little bit quicker, yeah. but the Nürburgring is probably more unforgivable because of the weather. Yeah. It can be raining Very one true. corner and dry the next. And, and snow around the other yeah, one. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you, you have four or five different weather conditions in the one track so you've got to be quite careful about that also yeah thanks for letting us have a look at your car no race well race safe at the weekend thank you very much thanks Dominic that's a nice looking car again you know I think people and we've got to keep making this point Drillsy um, we I'll need to get a bit of a wiggle on here as well but um, you can pick me out some highlights as we, as we walk up this next bit but I think we've got to make the point um to our listeners that whilst this is grassroots motorsport and I said it to Terry I've said, said it to all the guys these are not bodged together cars from somebody's no. garden shed. No, they're not. They're serious race cars. We just walked past the FPV Falcon GT that George Medici and Jero Gray will drive. A um, couple more BMWs here, A1 cars, uh, 1M serious kit. We should mention the uh, Mark Cars Australia guys are here this weekend with a 1M as well that they've just purchased with the trio of Americans who ran the 12-hour and the Jetty 4 car earlier this year, which is great to see. Um, So these guys are going to be good. Next car up, a little bit of an interesting story about this car, which is the Pedders suspension-sponsored Tourner 86. All right. Um, Just fired up, so we'll just stay back here for a moment. Yeah, Boxer Engine, uh, which you can hear everywhere. Um, (laughs) So this car is crewed, run, prepared, and worked on by um, students from Wodonga Motorsport, TAFE, basically, right. down the road, uh, closer to the uh, New South Wales. TAFE is like a technical college yeah, sort of yeah, thing, it is. isn't it? Sorry, uh, remember well, well, the international audience. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. 
So it's a terrific program. Uh, driving at Grant Phillips, who owns the car and has driven it for a long time. But in it with him this weekend is Mark Petter of Petter's Suspension oh, Fame. Right, okay. But Mark is a multiple champion rally driver. Yeah. So, But this is his first ever circuit race. So sublime to the ridiculous. But he, he raced uh, factory Honda in uh, the Asia Pacific Rally Championship and the Australian Rally Championship. Gun driver, serious driver, so making his debut. A really interesting story with him this weekend. Right, okay, let's have a wonder. Keep an eye on that one. That's the 86 pedal suspension car. That engine you can hear in the background is another RS McGann just being coaxed back into its area, having been for scrutineering. And look, another car that just looks a picture. I'm going to get sick of saying I'm not going to get sick of saying that, actually, because it... Again, let's just make the point here. This might be grassroots motorsport, but these guys have put their heart and soul into these cars. Right, little Nissan here uh, alongside a Subaru. So what we would have called a Sunny back in the UK. You called this a Pulsar, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a one-make series for these that races here in New South Wales. Oh, all right. yeah, yeah. Good little reliable okay. car. Right, but that can't be one of those because then it wouldn't have been a street car. Or would they, no, well, they're well, all based on was, street. It was a, a street car based right, on okay. street car series. It's like Hyundai XL Racing, but with Pulsars instead. Uh, we're now standing next to the biggest single team here this weekend. Garth Walden Racing, been staples of this event, and several other major ones here at Mount Panorama. They're running four cars. The two that will be keeping a really close eye on are their two AMG A45s, both of which I feel are outright contenders. So one car driven by Craig Baird, who needs no introduction, uh, the, uh, with Garth Walden, who's yeah. also an absolute guru. The next one uh, has a trio of drivers, including Stephen Johnson, who's a Touring Car Master yeah. Champion and Legend of Bathurst. They're also running the Race for a Cure Number 15, yes. Mitsubishi Lancer Evo with the Cavage Brothers from Queensland. These guys, last year raised 30 grand for breast cancer research oh. and, uh, via their racing program, by going racing and awareness. And that, that program's back, I'm happy to say, this year. Next to them is an SS Commodore back in Class B2. This is the only car in the history of the race to have won its class twice in the two previous runnings. So it's a 100% record at the exactly moment. Exactly right. With Brian Walden, Gar's father, and a bit of a legend in the sport, uh, Michael Alden, Richard Bloomfield driving. So this will be, well, it has to be the favourite in B2 because right. it's never been beaten. Yeah, okay. The other competitors will say there has to be a first time. Mm. Do you know what? I can't believe you're not building those Commodores and Falcons oh, anymore. I, I, I won't go there. I won't go there. Um, I... I the more I see these 45s, these AMG uh, MG45 Mercedes, um, the more I'm liking those. And I didn't realise they were all all-wheel drive either. I need to take a more serious look at those. Something in my eyes grills me. This is brilliant. It's exactly what I want. A uh, little uh, Toyota here in the E-Class. Now, that is another thing that looks like it might have been a higher car at some stage. It's just a little two-door, the Griffiths car. So, the number 19. And again... Very much stock inside. Oh, hang on, though. They've got a drinks bottle dispenser in there with a big button on the steering wheel. I think it's fabulous. You know, these are the cars that I remember going round the Nordschleifer in my early days. So that, you know, the little sub one litres, the Daihatsu charades and stuff like that. And it's great to have them in this race. So six weeks ago, the owner of that car was here in an AMG GT3 with David Reynolds as his co-driver, Mark Griffith. So now he's now here in a Toyota Echo with Amy, his daughter, uh, who's been racing that car as well, which is terrific. Um, we're moving up, car number 90. We're almost no, no, at the this, end of fifth this, lane now. This is an interesting one. I picked this out straight away. It's unique in the race. Um, this is a Mercedes 
But it's a saloon. This is a sedan. This is a gentleman's conveyance. What's it doing recently? Yeah. A four-door. It's a gentleman's conveyance with a bit of mental because it's got that AMG badge on it and a 6.3-litre V8 under the bonnet. So C63, AMG, um, Queensland boys, Carl Begg and Justin Anthony have put this together over the last 12 months. Um, we expect this to be amongst the fastest things down Conrod Strait, somewhere in excess of 270k, um, which in that's, these things is absolutely... That's hauling the mill. That's GT3 straight line speed yeah, yeah. here, so these will be real fast. Not, not, a, not a lot of arrow on this, though, so it's going to be a bit screwy at... Through the, the really right hand is a good word like to that? describe it. Yeah, down down through the right hand and into the chest. That is going to be very very interesting indeed. Good thing though, uh, really beautifully presented in the black with a with a red and gold stripes up the side with boss surveillance systems. Yeah, and, and the with the uh, with their logo, which is mm. sort of a um, a rectangle um, on it, yeah, yeah. crosshairs. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. Um, watch out for that. It's black uh, with a red line around the grill, and I've got a feeling that's going to be a fan. Fan favourite, we're nearly at pit out here, 62 cars on the entry, let's hope 62 start, let's get out of these guys' photograph here. So, Krilzy, variety is the spice of life, and we've got stories, as Joe Bradley would say, already before the race even started, we've got stories and soap operas behind pretty much every every door. This car's got amazing, not the car in specific, but the team behind it, amazing Bathurst history. Um, Wayne Cliff raced here as a privateer. It's a number 44 car for those of you playing at home with your entry list. Um, the team boss is Kevin Heffernan, who was a privateer in touring car racing runner. Fabulously pink and orange striped car. Um, his son driving this. So Holden Commodore VZ, um, fast race car. They should be pretty handy in class A2. Um, couple of garage doors to go. Um, we're not even going to try and pick out any winners. We were hopeless at doing that at the Bathurst 12 hours. We took a very long time to work that out. Ah, here we are. Uh, BMW, classic BMW shape, uh, sitting there. It's not an endurance race without one of those uh, sitting in it there. And that's the uh, the Racer Industries and Finch Financial car. That looks like there's still a bit of work going on there. We'll let them uh, get on. And in here... We have. Well, this is the Sharon Racing uh, BMW M4, and I can see uh, a couple of the Sharons floating around. But th- this this is a serious car, and, and last year he was the fastest car. Didn't have the durability to go with it, unfortunately for them, and led the early stages of the race, uh, and then broke, and then they fixed it, and then it charged back through the field, then it broke again. But well, this, um, this is a two-door car, so this is a little bit older than the, the, the M3. M3. So this is, is an M, the now the M4? Two-door version oh, right, okay. of what we've seen down the road, which is the four-door version, which is the yeah, M3. The They've f- stuffed that up, haven't they, don't, BMW? Don't leave it more away from it right now. But that, after, looks, that looks pretty. Yeah, hot car. And after Bathurst last year, it, it was not only really fast, but really reliable. And ultimately, the brothers ultimately won the Australian Production Car Series last year, which is terrific. Um, the Sharon boys doing a huge amount of work for... The series, um, they've actually taken over the ownership of the Australian Production Car Series now, right. So, um, as well as driving in it and competing in it. The, yeah, fast car. It'll be at the front somewhere. Um, and it's a, v- a very nice sort of blood red colour. Not bright red, yeah. but it's, it's almost that classic Maserati or Alpha red, beautifully presented again. And it, it's a jo- the joy of this event, that sharing the garage, is the 96 E-Class car and... I'm going to have to have a closer look at this because this is a Nissan. What's this? It's another Nissan, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, so Sarah with another Nissan Pulsar. And again, I can smell, yeah, I can smell polish on this car as well. Once again, beautifully turned out the Sharon's rentals car. B 
big BMW motor in the front, and there's not a lot of room to work on that. But look, look at the beautiful carbon fibre strut brace around the front of the engine. That is, that's a thing of beauty. I'd have that hung on my wall. <laughs> it must be a BMW option because that was on Beric Linton's M3 as well. So, yeah, cool car. It's all jammed in the engine bay there, isn't it? These, not much room. Yeah. These things... Do you want to change the plugs? No, not no. even slightly. I don't, want, I don't <laughs> want to touch it. I'll break it. Not in my life. Um, it's not like your 944, mate, with all that room not, around your not, engine. Oh, yeah, well... I've just done an engine change on one of those. I don't want to talk about it. It'll haunt me in my sleep. Um, but these these things have got heaps of grunt. Last year, this thing clocked at over 270k down Conrad as well. Oh, so right. properly fast race car. What I like about this is we've got cars with grunt. We've got cars that are going to be nimble. We don't have a lot of cars that have got aerodynamic grip because they're street cars. They're all based on street cars. So there's going to be you know guys who have to drive these cars and the driver will make the difference yes okay a bit of power and a bit of grunt is going to make um, some difference but the driver ultimately the nut behind the wheel is going to play a pretty big part right we're right at the end and a couple more of the classic Australian improved production cars in a I mean this is perfect actually we've ended here with a Subaru and a Mitsubishi uh, Evo sitting Sharing the garage. You need Colin McRae and Tommy Mackinnon to walk out of a garage. And we'd have the World Rally Championship, wouldn't we? Slightly later models, it must be said. Yeah, and this very last car, car number 14, beautifully presented, deep maroon, coloured with the carbon wrap bonnet. And a couple of another Air One cars. That'll be be there or thereabouts, having a shout? Yeah, I think they'll be, they could be a dark horse. I don't think they go in with outright favouritism, this car, but they don't have the star drivers that some of the other combos have got. But, um, circulate fly under the radar they could be solid right so final point then we've had a look at the cars we've spoken to some of the people what wins this race six hours is a proper endurance race don't let anybody say it isn't it's long enough to be endurance race it's long enough for strategy to play out but is it just a case here of executing and keeping the car out of the pits other than when it needs hand tyres and a bit of fuel yeah it is I think this is one of the few races left in Australia where durability is actually probably number one first speed is maybe second or third fighting with your strategy and your pit stops uh, and getting those right in your race Uh, they are production cars as we've been talking about up and down this pit lane and they do break and we saw that last year I mentioned it with the Sharons not five minutes ago that Mm. that was the fastest car last year by miles it broke twice and didn't win it should have and and the thing is if you've got a production car it's not necessarily going to be the easiest thing to change a component as a race car would be so accessibility and serviceability maybe not the greatest on the upside and I almost guarantee you we'll tell this story at some point over the weekend you just saw a Tirana drive past it caught my attention yeah that you will get a story that someone's broken and what they've done to fix their car is pilfer apart from something in the paddock, yeah. a road car, because that's what you can do, yeah. whether it's a small component for the engine or a panel or a shell. Strange of things have happened at this place. So I think that's it. Getting your pit stops right, understanding the rules, because they are reasonably complex with pit stops and the fueling and how that all works. So you need to get all that stuff right. Know your one percenters, endurance, and then save your gear for the last hour because like every race at this place that's when this race is decided not hour one got to be in it and uh, we've got 
some exclusive coverage over the weekend on the Radio Show Limited Network of Channels. It's going to be on RS1. Check the website at RadioLamon.com for our live broadcast times. Sound and vision together for the whole of Sunday race day. So there's some support race action there as well. We'll be uh, broadcasting the audio from those as well. Crailsey and I are looking forward to it. I'm ridiculously excited. I am ridiculously excited about this. Make sure you join us for the High Tech Oils Bathurst. Six hours over the Easter weekend here at Mount Panorama. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.